If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back. It's the 2017 season of Red Leg Nation Radio. Uh, you may have noticed we have a new theme song that's from our good friend, friend of the podcast, Freak Bass. Uh, go buy his latest album, and we're going to have Freak Bass on here really soon. Really appreciate him uh, providing some uh, some new theme music for a new season. And uh, it was supposed to, this was supposed to be an optimistic podcast, and we're going to try to keep it that way since the season hasn't started yet. But we do have some uh, discouraging news to start with. And whenever we have discouraging news, we try to bring on the least optimistic person I know. No, that's not true. It is our good friend, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I'm good. Have you been talking to my students? Because... <laughs> They're the ones who think that I kill dreams, and, you know, I do, but... Right, but but when it comes to... Yeah, when it comes to baseball, you're generally... I think you and I would uh, would settle pretty uh, firmly on the optimistic side, uh, even when there's not a lot to be optimistic about, because, hey, it's baseball. It's supposed to be fun. Let's have fun with it, right? Yes, let's have fun. I'm pro-fun. Well, someone needs to talk to Homer Bailey, because he's not providing us with much fun. Uh, today, it was announced that uh, Homer Bailey had had, uh, well, he had the surgery today, I think, on his elbow to remove yeah. uh, bone spurs in his pitching elbow. Wouldn't bother us so much if it was in his non-pitching elbow, right? Presumably. <laughs> well, it might. Uh, and so he's going to be shut down now for uh, four to six weeks or so. He's going to start the season on the disabled. I mean, I can imagine he won't start the season on the disabled list. Right. And, uh, and so he won't be ready to go. And is he going to be back at some point? Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, you don't want to think the worst, but the last couple seasons, thinking the worst would have been right on the money with Homer. You wrote about Homer last week because we, cause there were some sort of whispers at some of the caravan stops that he might not be completely right. And, and you wrote a piece about, uh, I think it was called, What to Expect When You're Expecting Homer Bailey. Uh, so this doesn't surprise you too much. I know you kind of saw this coming, but what are your thoughts here, Jason? Um, I mean, the the record basically on on pitchers really of any kind maintaining health and, and, and production, I think everybody knows, you know, is uh, kind of sketchy. There's the, the you can't have too much pitching saying for a reason. Um, but, you know, especially guys coming back from injuries, there's this perception, and it was definitely the case when Homer went down, that guys just kind of come back from Tommy John surgery now. And that's not really the case. Um, there are a whole bunch of guys who kind of come back a little bit, pitch few innings, and then there are a whole bunch of guys who don't come back at all. And then they're, you know, it's kind of into thirds and then about a third of players really come back and get to where they were. So it was one of those, like, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I'm not inside Homer Bailey's elbow, but age happens and you add to that injury and you add to that, the fact that even before his elbow went out, Homer was at least a little bit fragile. And I was just like, you know, I'm not counting on this guy to to throw, even really 150 innings this year. You know, I was, I, I, my, my, if you'd asked me to peg a guess as to how much Homer would throw this year, I would guess under 120 innings. Um, 
and that's just, I mean, that's just playing the odds. So I don't know. And I, I thought that for a while, you know, I, when Homer was coming back last year, unless I'm forgetting something, he never looked right in Cincinnati. Um, I saw almost all of his rehab starts in Louisville and he had one or maybe two where he really looked right. So, I mean, this just seems like something that's been, he's never seemed really fully recovered, I guess is, is what it comes down to. Oh, it's such a shame. You know, he's not pitched a full season since 2013 and, and you're right. I, I think the, 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 the good money was on betting against him ever, uh, or not ever, but not having a full season this year. I mean, based on recent, yeah. uh, the recent past, but you know, he, he's been through so much and by all accounts had worked so hard to get back. And, you know, I was hopeful. I, I wasn't going to bet the ranch on it, but I was hopeful that this could be the season where he could, if not pitch a full season, you know, pitch a, a relatively full season for someone with his injury history. And mm-hmm. it's just, uh, you know, I mean, if, if you look at it, I guess, again, if you want to try to be uh, optimistic about it, they're removing uh, bone spurs. Everything supposedly is is fine in there uh, in terms of what was repaired with the Tommy John. And, and the, the elbow still looks good, just removing some bone spurs. So that's really a minimal, it's a minimally invasive uh, procedure. And it's, you know... On the spectrum of of problems that he could have with his elbow, it's it's you know as good as we could hope for, I guess. But again, uh, you know, is, is he ever going to make it back? And, and and the problem with with Bailey, as we saw if you were on Twitter any today, is that you can't really, no one really wants to judge Homer Bailey uh, without talking about that contract. And you do have to talk about the contract, yeah. but it's just. Uh, it's just unfortunate all the way around, and it really sort of – it hurts me. I hate it. Yeah, I mean, though, I mean, I guess one question I would put out there, because there's so much talk with the Reds in general about whenever they give anybody a contract, is it's like, you know, I think the question really is hindsight is always twenty twenty, but you have to look at the contract from when it was signed and ask at the time, was that a decent contract? And, I mean, I was – you know, this was one of the times I was right. It happens every once in a while. But even with the innings that, you know, I know Cueto at the time was coming off of an injury season, but I would have signed Cueto over Bailey. But that said, there was nothing particularly wrong with Homer's contract. Like, it was a reasonable contract for a pitcher at his stage coming off the two seasons he was coming off of um, to to sign. So, okay, I mean, I guess we can talk about the contract. And, and I know, you know, and you know, too, that there's a certain segment of the fan base that if you sign any contract for more than about a million dollars, they're going to, and you're not an MVP, they're going to get cranky at right. you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the contract isn't, isn't Homer's fault, and the injuries aren't Homer's fault. I mean, you know, I've, I've ne- I've never heard anything that calls into question Homer's work ethic or his desire to, you know, to compete, um, you know, to whatever extent anybody can take issues with Homer. That's not a place that you can take an issue with him as far as I'm aware. Um, so I don't, you know, it's just kind of a bad thing that happened, I guess. It is. It's, it's completely unfortunate. And if you're looking at it in retrospect, sure, you wouldn't sign him to that contract. But if you look at it at, with the information the Reds had at that time, if you'll remember back at that time, everyone wants to, to sort of relate Homer Bailey's situation to Johnny Cueto's. And I guess if you had to sign one of them to a, a contract, a long-term contract, Cueto's proven to be a better bet at this point. 
and probably would would have been at that point. I mean, it was it was arguable, but a good argument that Cueto would have been at that time. But if you'll recall, Cueto was coming off a couple of injury-filled seasons at that time. Uh, we had no idea he was going to become the workhorse he ended up becoming. And, and Homer at the time... Uh, you know, again, I'm not saying that it was necessarily a a good idea to sign him to that contract. I'm saying that I think it's defensible. I'm the idiot who, about six months before he signed that contract, wrote a piece for ESPN in which I tried to make the argument that Homer Bailey was finally uh, starting to look like the ace that the Reds had been hoping for all these years. And of course, that never really happened. But he had had, you know, he'd had some good times uh, right before well, now, he signed no, that contract. Wait a minute. He was though, like he was starting to look like that ace, like. And, I, you know, I'm not going to claim that I've ever really been a homer booster. I haven't. Um, I don't know why. I just, you know, we all have players who we, we sort of take to and don't and or don't take to. But, like, I mean, I don't care about wins and losses with a pitcher, and I, and I don't think you do either. But, boy, I, you know, I, I just had to go, look, 2013, he had a really good year. Like, he had an all-star caliber year as a pitcher. You, you can't say anything bad about that about that year. And then he got hurt. And, you, you know, uh, up until the point when he got hurt in 2014, he was doing well. Um, so, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's hard to – I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just a tough thing all the way around. I, I just looked up that piece that I referenced uh, that I wrote for ESPN, and the, and the headline on that was uh, – I don't write the headlines on those pieces, but the headline was, Homer Bailey has turned into an ace. And uh, at the time, this was in August of 2013 uh, when this was written. And uh, it's funny. I was looking at uh, the numbers at that time and uh, all the advanced statistics, and at that time there were three pitchers in the National League who had been better than Homer Bailey that season. But, you know, in the middle of August of 2013, only three pitchers, one of whose names was Clayton Kershaw. One mm-hmm. was one was Adam Wainwright. You maybe have heard of him. And I'm, the, I'm, rings a bell. Right. And the other at that time was Matt Harvey, if you recall yeah. how good Harvey was at that time. And then it was Homer Bailey. Those were, by, by the advanced metrics, the, the case I made was, he was, hey, he's right up there with these other guys. Those guys were a little better than him. But uh, yeah. in in the National League, in 2013, because let's just let's just dive into the stats all the way. According to Fangraphs, at least Homer Bailey was the eighth best pitcher in the National League in 2013. You know what that is? That's an ace. That's an ace. That's yeah. I mean, and that's... so 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 look at it with the information the Reds had at that time. It, it's I'm not telling you that they absolutely should have done it, but I am saying that it was absolutely. 100% defensible at yeah. the time, and, and it's I have a really hard time dinging Red's management for signing him to that long-term contract, except for the, the idea that you probably should never sign any pitcher to a long-term contract, but that's a different story. Um, yeah. Six, yeah. Six years, $106 million before the 2014 season, uh, and he's pitched 180 innings since then, 34 and a third in the last two seasons combined. Heavy sigh. Oh man. Oh gosh, that hurt. That hurts me just to look at it. Of course, I'm not signing his paychecks, but no. Um, but those are dollars that could have been used for somebody else. I mean, I think that's the argument that a lot of people make. Oh, they wasted all this money. But when when you say they wasted all this money, there's sort of this implication that you you alluded to a moment ago. There's this implication that he wanted to get hurt, or that he's not tough enough to yeah. to to play that he should be tougher and get out there and, and earn that money. Give me a break. He's a hard worker. He got hurt. 
It sucks. Yeah. It happened. Yeah, injuries happen. Like, it, like, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, I don't know. You know, I, I don't understand people who get mad at baseball players for getting hurt. Oh, well, you know what? It's not new in Cincinnati. If you, you may remember this guy. You may not remember. He was sort of a – he wasn't a very good player, but but he did play for the Reds Royals. His name was Eric Davis. Do you remember that guy? Mm, that rings a small bell. Yeah, people got so upset with him, uh, even pre-Twitter, if you can believe it. Can't stay on the field. Can't stay on the field. He's, he's you know, uh, he's a pansy. The guy can't even uh, – he keeps getting hurt. Give me a break. Um, ah, anyway, I'm frustrated by this. I'm frustrated by the reaction to Homer Bailey's injury. I'm frustrated by Homer Bailey's, you know, another setback because I'm excited to watch him play. I don't pin that on Homer Bailey, uh, and I don't pin the money that was spent on him on the Reds. It's just a bad situation, and, you know, what, what do you do? Yeah, nothing. Yeah. I mean, just, you sign Scott Feldman and Bronson Arroyo. That's what you do. Well, and I guess that's where we're going. Well, let's say Bronson for uh, for another moment here. Let's talk about Scott Feldman. Um, the Reds did find, sign free agent right-handed pitcher Scott Feldman to a one-year contract, $2.3 million. I guess if he maxes out all of his incentives, it would be a $4.5 million contract. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, Nick Kirby, who writes for Red Leg Nation, uh, he says he's a better version of Dan Straley, who the Reds actually traded here recently. We might get into, but uh, Feldman, he's a, I don't know, maybe an innings eater. 183 career starts, one-year deal. Uh, when, when he was signing, I thought we had Bailey. I thought, hey, this could be a good fifth starter, or, uh, you know, uh, or he could, you know, pitch out of the bullpen too. Now it looks like he's probably a fourth starter at least, and uh, Reds are going to need him. What do you think about uh, Scott Feldman? I think Scott Feldman is exactly the kind of signing they need to make, frankly. Um, Agree. You know, it's he is a marginal enough player that if guys emerge and he is pushed to the bullpen, nobody's going to say anything. People can't be grouchy about it. He's a talented enough player that if, you know, that, that there's a good chance that when the deadline comes and somebody out there is looking for a starting pitcher. Cause let's be honest, this, this might be, it's con- theoretically possible in a way it wasn't last year, but this is probably not the year the Reds become competitive again. So come the deadline, he's a good candidate to be uh, flipped for a team that is willing to overpay for a, a serviceable starting pitcher, um, you know, in order to get themselves into the playoffs. So, you know, I really don't see a downside to signing Scott Feldman. You know, it, it's a relatively small contract. Um, you know, to me, this is kind of the opposite of uh, previous signings, you know, kind of of the Alfredo Simon ilk, where you're just like, what are they doing? Why that guy? Um, you know, they're not going to get anything out of him. Whereas Feldman, it's hard for me to imagine that he doesn't provide at least some value. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's exactly right. And the way I put it uh, when I wrote about it at Red Lake Nation was, uh, yeah, if the Reds, if you told me the Reds are going to sign a 34-year-old starter, I might have um, immediately said, "Oh, that's not real smart." Um, but I think he's a perfect fit for who the 2017 Reds expect to be. Uh, you know, he's a swing starter, basically what they used to call a swing starter. I don't know if they still uh, you don't hear that too often anymore. But he could be your fifth starter. He could be you, right. You could shift him out to the bullpen if you want, and, and there's not going to be any of the uh, you know. I mean, Feldman will be ups- Feldman will probably be upset if he gets moved to the bullpen, but there's not going to be any of the uh, you know crying and gnashing of teeth if that were to happen. Um, 
hey, but he's probably going to end up being a starter the way it's going to work out now, unless a couple of the young guys push him out, which is what we hope happens. I think that's right. definitely the best case scenario. And if so, yeah, you got a uh, still still a useful piece, uh, maybe a league average uh, type pitcher, and he's here on a one year deal. You know, there's there's just there's yeah. no no risk here. Yeah, and you know, I think one of the things that a lot of people are not. One of the places I suppose a lot of people aren't, aren't connecting the dots here is that, you know, all of us, right, we're all ready for, for the new crop of, of starting pitchers. Um, but all of those guys are young. And all of those guys, to some extent, are still um, working on innings limits. You know, the, the only guys right now the Reds have who you can reasonably hope are going to pitch completely full seasons are um, Anthony DeSclafani and Brandon Finnegan. And Homer Bailey. <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> like, like that's it. You know, even even Feldman was l- largely a reliever last year, um, so you can't necessarily count on him to, to just jump straight to 200 innings. You know, you've got Stevenson and Reed and Garrett who all – probably at least have theoretical innings limits with Garrett. There's going to be service time issues. One would guess where they're going to try to hold him down probably for a little bit, unless he just really forces their hand in spring. Um, And you don't, you know, you also don't necessarily know how those guys come around. So the Reds this year are going to need a whole lot of moving pieces in that starting rotation um, where there are going to be guys coming in and out. There are going to be guys who probably spend a little time in the bullpen to limit their innings or, you know, who spend a little bit of time in AAA to, to, with their starts spaced out to limit their innings. You know, that kind of stuff is going to happen. And you're going to need guys like Scott Feldman and maybe even Bronson Arroyo to kind of come in. And, you know, these are guys who one assumes are not fooling themselves. Like, they know who they are. They know where they're at. Um, you know, it almost gets into kind of a a crash Davis scenario where they get to keep coming to the ballpark and keep getting paid to do it. And the deal is you have to do whatever the team asks you to do while the young kids are getting ready. Um, so, but we're not going to see all of the hot prospects in the rotation all year long because that's not where the reds are. That might happen in 2018, but it's not going to happen in 2017. Uh, and you know, people need to understand that that's, that it's, it's very much still a transitional year. You know, we're going to talk about Bronson Royo in just one moment. Uh, I agree absolutely with with every bit of that. But let me tell you what is the most frustrating thing for me here. We've got, uh, yeah, they brought in Scott Feldman. Good. We'll we'll talk about Arroyo. But but at this point, the Reds are down two starters they thought they were going to have, or at least we thought they were going to have going into the year. Uh, Homer Bailey is hurt, and Dan Straley was traded to the Marlins in what I think both of us would probably agree was a pretty good trade for the Reds. We like Dan Straley, but... Would you agree? Pretty good trade for the Reds. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, no question. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly the type of trade the Reds need to be looking to make. And I thought they came away, uh, made away like bandits on that one. So, but you got two guys there that we had, we were hopeful anyway, would be in the Reds' opening day rotation. Neither are there now. And what really frustrates me is that the, I have not heard a single word about the one guy that needs to take one of those spots, or at least be tried in one of those spots, and that's Michael Lorenzen. I cannot figure for the life of me, and, they, and now the, I will say, the Reds have more information than I do. They may know something about his health or about, they may know more than I do. They definitely know more than I do. Almost everyone knows more than I do. 
But I cannot for the life of me figure out why Michael Lorenzen now, especially with this situation, is is not a, a candidate to at least get a, a shot at winning one of those rotation spots. Lorenzen said that he wants to start. Uh, he looks he's you know he was healthy when he came back last year and uh, sort of an electric uh, pitcher at, at times. I don't get it, and so I'm going to detour us a little bit, and I want to know what your thoughts are, because uh, I know you've thought about this. What's what's the reasoning? How can they not even consider Michael Lorenzen for the rotation? Okay, well, I, I have a couple of thoughts on this, and and one is it comes with the caveat that I don't know what his minor league velocity numbers are, so it's it I can't judge this completely. I do know. That you know, this year in in Louisville, as he was rehabbing, he was hitting triple digits um, at times. When I looked at you know, and, and people kind of got worked up about Michael Lorenzen, and I get it, but like you know, I had to go back and kind of remind myself of his numbers when he was starting for the Reds in 2015, and with the caveat that yes, he's young, and you know, we have to let young pitchers develop and stuff. His numbers were not very good. He was not a particularly good starting pitcher. Well, he was, but he, he was twenty-two. I mean, or twenty-one, whatever he was. Twenty-three. Uh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. No, I granted. I'm not like. But then, so I was like, okay, he's probably twenty-three, and I'm kind of scanning around and, and looking at his page. When he relieved in 2016 in the majors, his fastball was two miles an hour faster, and his slider was four miles an hour faster. And that's a lot of that's a lot of velocity added. Um, you know, so I, I think there is a real question of, as a starter, does he have the stuff to start, when, whereas we know he has the stuff to relieve, potentially in a multi-inning relief function. And so I don't know, you know, that this might be one of the things where the Reds have seen something, or they know more than we know kind of things, and they're just going ahead and extrapolating and saying, yeah, you know, and he was a closer in college, right? I'm not remembering that wrong. He was, yeah, um, and, and a center fielder, yes. Right, yeah. So, you know, they may just be extrapolating and being like, you know, look, this this guy isn't going to be able to start. He's not holding his velocity enough when he starts. We gave him a go there, and, you know, we're comfortable with him coming out of the bullpen where he has been was an excellent pitcher pretty much right away. Um, so... While I understand people, I guess, wanting him to get a look, I also can understand, you know, given the they probably know more than we do kind of thing, that that the Reds might be seeing something and, you know, looking at the numbers, I can imagine what they might be seeing that says to them, this is a relief pitcher. Uh, but I, okay, I, I can I can buy that, and I certainly buy that the Reds, uh, that I'm working on imperfect information, that the Reds have more information, but... It just seems like now's uh, now more than ever, uh, the Reds need starters. Why not even just give him a you know two month trial, see what you got. If it doesn't work, uh, what are you hurt? Send him back to the bullpen. He's to be an electric reliever, and yay, he and Iglesias and uh, and Drew Storen, who the Reds also signed this year, um, can can make a great bullpen. I don't know. I just I think they should. Uh, let's mention Storen really quickly. I, I'm. I was pretty happy with the Drew Story signing. You know, hey, they signed a veteran reliever. Now, that's not what I would ordinarily say, but a one-year, three, $3 million contract, a guy who's just 29, a, uh, a, basically a year removed from being a really effective reliever. Cincinnati area guy said he uh, dressed as Chris Sabo for Halloween multiple times. Ah, I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm okay with yeah, that guy. And, 
man, I I was thrilled with this signing. Um, I think it's a fantastic move by the front office. Um, and I think this because, you know, the, the caveat with relief pitchers always is that, I mean, you, you can't judge them by their ERA because I, literally one or two bad innings can ruin a guy's ERA for the year if you're a relief pitcher. Um, whereas, Especially if that relief pitcher is named J.J. Hoover. Especially, yes. <laughs> he had many more than one or two bad innings. Uh, good old J.J. But you look at you know you look at Storen's peripheral stats and his strikeouts are good and his walks are good and you know the home runs were up but whatever you know and again in a handful of innings like relievers tend to pitch that doesn't necessarily mean anything and he just looks like a reliever who is who had an off year and should reasonably be expected to bounce back this year. Which makes him again, as with uh, Feldman, a really good candidate to. Oh, here's the trade deadline. Here's this guy who is now back to being a lights out reliever. Who wants him? And what can we have for him? Um, like I, I, I see, and you know, one of the things that I was really thrilled by was Dick Williams effectively saying just that with regards to why they signed him. Like his peripheral numbers were good. His ERA was bad, but we don't care about his ERA because he's a relief pitcher and we understand how things work. Um, and I was like, y- yes, please. This is what I've wanted to hear from the Reds for years, and I'm finally hearing it. So I, I, I have no issues with this signing whatsoever. Yeah, you know, we've gone in just a couple of years from uh, Walt Jockety saying we need to find some RBI guys to Dick Williams, the, the new general manager, saying, that uh, Storin's strikeout rates, his walk rates were, were always consistent. His uh, batting average on balls in play was high, and that's what made him appealing uh, to the Reds as a, as a sort of a free agent. And, man, one-year contract, it's exactly, I think this is the way you, what you were saying, this is exactly the type of risk that a team like the Reds need to be make, making. Uh, if he does what they think he can do, then, yeah, you flip him, you get some useful pieces uh, in exchange. Uh I'm I'm all for it. I hope he's fantastic for the Reds. You know, let let's let's think about this for a second too. If okay, so uh, between Storin and um, Feldman, the Reds are on the hook for for maybe around six million bucks with Feldman's various incentives and stuff. Well, okay, if they trade both those guys, they're probably really on the hook for about four million bucks from those two. And if they get traded to a team in contention that's looking to beef things up. They probably bring back some pretty good prospects. So, how you know if you get say you know top, a top ten or a top twenty prospect from another team is in you know top ten in that team system. Um, for you know you get two of those for the cost of four million dollars. That's really not a bad deal. No, you'd go pay that on the open market if you if you yeah. could get two uh, top ten prospects from and all that. That varies depending on the organization. But yeah, you'd pay that easy. I think. Yeah, and so that's, I mean, I, I have no, like I said, no issue whatsoever. I think those are, are two fabulous signings. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and you say fabulous. Let's uh, pump the brakes just a little bit. It's not like we're talking about they went out and signed Clayton Kershaw, but I think based fabulous. on where, <laughs> where the Reds are and, and what they expect to be this year and what they hope to be next year, uh, they fit in very, very well with what we're sort of seeing as the plan, quote-unquote, Um for this organization. And I, and I think it does events. Um, uh, it, it is some evidence that there is an actual plan. I, I agree. Yeah. I'm, 
I'm not used to agreeing with uh, decisions made by the Reds front office, but uh, we've had a pretty good run here this this off season, uh, which leads me right into my favorite off season acquisition. Uh, I don't even know if they've signed. Uh, they've worked everything out just about. They're working on some details, but you know, you make fun of me. Everyone makes fun of me because I'm a big Billy Hamilton fan. He's my he's my most recent. Uh, Obsession is not the right word, but he's yeah, my most, nah, maybe he's he's my most recent uh, favorite guy for the Reds because he just does things you don't see from anyone else. Well, before and, and if you're a long time listener of the podcast, first of all, you probably need to get your mental health checked out. But uh, second of all, if you're a long time listener, you probably remember that before Billy Hamilton, Bronson Arroyo was that guy for me. Just there was something about uh, Arroyo. Uh, certainly, he was a very effective pitcher for the Reds. He is probably going to be in the Reds Hall of Fame, I would think. But just the, watching him change his arm angles and change the speed of, of his pitches, and just he was fun to watch. And so he was he was my favorite guy for a long time. And and Bronson Arroyo is returning to the Cincinnati Reds on a minor league deal. Past his physical, which is amazing, and uh, he's going to be a non-roster invite to spring training. And I'm. Everyone is trying to get me to pump the brakes on it, and I know this is is what it is. It's a minor league deal for a guy that's not pitched in about thirty years. But man, I'm happy to have Bronson Arroyo back. Now, tell me why. Tell me why I'm wrong. No, I I also am happy to have Bronson back. And you know, the argument I made about this, because you know, there there were always going to be people who get cranky about things, and and people got cranky about the Arroyo trade, and they're like, you know. Why not just use some marginal AAA guy? And my argument is Bronson Arroyo is fun. Fun, exactly. Marginal AAA guys are not fun. Bronson Arroyo is fun, and I am pro-fun. Exactly. There's there's nothing wrong with that, right? You know, um, there's nothing wrong with making some uh, decisions based on, hey, this is going to be just fun, in my opinion. Especially for something like this. It's not like they're laying out $15 million a year for fun. It's a minor league deal. And if it works out and he is able and he, you know, sort of covers some innings while they need him and he's Bronson Arroyo, then, and maybe, you know, he mentors the younger pitchers a little bit or whatever, but like, it's fun. (laughs) You know, it's something to look forward to. I would go, I would, I would make it a point to go see Bronson pitch for the Reds. Like, yeah, and especially since you and I have committed to writing about the Reds uh, this year, that uh, he gives yeah. us so, something interesting to write about. Yes, he's going to be forty this month. Yes, he's going to, you know, there's a he's a minor league deal, and the chances he makes the team are slim. Okay, whatever. He may have nothing left in the tank, um, but it's it, it's fun. It's going to be something interesting to look at and talk about and write about. And if you're talking about if he's healthy. And he's in the mix for that fifth spart- starter, especially while we're waiting for uh, Homer to come back. Again, trying to be optimistic. Uh, if he's in the mix, this is not a criticism of Tim Adelman, but who do you want to see, Bronson Arroyo or Tim Adelman throwing those innings? For me, it's obviously Arroyo. I'm not going to say he's a Reds legend, but I really do truly believe he's going to be a Reds Hall of Famer for what he uh, did when he was with Cincinnati. And, you know, in a season like this, if he – why not give him a shot? It's a minor league deal. No risk. Why not give him a shot? I, I'm just, I don't know. If he, if he can help the 2017 Reds, fantastic. If not, at least we get to talk about him a little bit more, and I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I concur wholeheartedly and in every way. 
And I mean, you know, things, the strange things happen. Bartolo Colon exists. <laughs> Just going to put that out there. He, he's, he's entering his age 44 season. Exactly. And if there was ever a guy, I used to call him a sort of a right-handed Jamie Moyer back in the day because the way he pitches, very little stress on his arm, I thought, until his arm fell apart. But what if he can come back? Yeah. You know, he, I, he doesn't have to throw hard to be successful. He just has to have control. And as long as he has control and can throw his slop up there, then then he might be all right. Like, I, I don't know. He might be terrible. He, you know, odds are he'll be terrible. But so what? It's fine. Odds are that he'll be terrible. And what happens if he's terrible? Uh, the Reds are out a, a little bit because they signed him to a minor league deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's no risk and maybe no reward, but... Uh, the reward to me is that we get to talk about Bronson Arroyo. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, let me uh, – now we've talked about the pitchers, and we've talked about who uh, who's going to be available, who's not going to be available. I'd like to shift – not really shift gears, but sort of switch over to talking about, okay, we've got uh, eight weeks away from opening day, something like that. Uh, we need five pitchers, although they'll probably start with four with all the off days early, but we need five pitchers in the starting rotation. Who are they? Who do I think they will be, or who do I think they should be? Uh, well, let's start with who do you think they will be. Okay, well, the obvious ones are uh, Disco and Finnegan. And They're it's, it's kind of sad that we've only got two locks in the start, starting rotation at this point, but I think you're right. Anthony DiScalfani and Brandon Finnegan are, yeah. short of injury, absolute locks for the starting rotation. I think I think Feldman probably is there. I think so, too. Um, so there's three. I, yeah, and I, I think I'm, I'm I think I'm going against conventional wisdom right now for a lot of people. I think Cody Reed is probably the fourth one because um, they're not going to be concerned with service time issues with him. And then I think five comes down to uh, the performances of Arroyo and Stevenson. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's a good call. I can't argue with any of that. I think that uh, I'm with you on Reed. I think Reed. Uh, they pushed him a little bit last year. I think they're gonna. Uh, I think they're gonna give uh, Cody Reed and Robert Stevenson every chance to win two spots in the rotation. I mean, I think they're gonna go. They're gonna bend over backwards to try to let those guys win the two starting spots. That's that's my belief. Um, you know, I, Amir Garrett's out there, and Amir Garrett uh, may have the highest ceiling of any of the three. I'm still I'm still a huge Cody Reed fan. Uh, but I, a lot of people have lost faith with, just because of a bad, you know, what four bad starts or something last year. I'm still a Cody Reed fan. I think Garrett could have the highest ceiling. I don't think there's any way Garrett starts uh, with the Reds. I think if Reed, one of Reed or Reed and Stevenson, one of those guys is going to have a good enough spring that he's going to win that fourth spot in the rotation. If we're assuming Feldman, Disclafani, Finnegan, and so that fifth spot's going to come down to. Does either Reed or Stevenson win it? If not, is Arroyo going to earn it? If not, then you start talking about guys like uh, Tim Adelman, I yeah. guess. Um, or or maybe they'll go out and pick up pick up some some veteran star. Yeah. And I have just just for the record, I have strong feelings about the sort of the top three prospects here, and uh, and I I have strong enough feelings that I will now make a bold prediction. Ooh, I, I love to hear a bold statement. Let's hear it, Jason. Here is a here is a bold prediction. Of the three, in terms of, and I'm not talking about innings, but just performance in the major leagues this year, 
Amir Garrett gets significant time and has the best numbers, followed closely by Cody Reed. This year, 2017. This year. Not, I I cannot imagine, given, given what I saw from Garrett and how I heard people around the bats talk about Amir Garrett, I cannot imagine him not getting a shot this year. He is, by all accounts, absolutely everything that you want a baseball player to be in terms of like work ethic and coachability. And, and he obviously has the talent. Right. And, and some of that's coming, uh, for those of you that uh, don't know, Jason spent a lot of time around the bats last year uh, in the press box, talking to people around the bats. And, uh, and, and after, uh, Jason's been very consistent in his praise of Amir Garrett over the last year. Uh, I, yeah, I still, I, I'm still on the Cody Reed bandwagon. I think. Oh, Garrett, I still am too. Like, I, I, I want to make sure I'm clear. I view like Garrett and Reed as kind of like one A and one B. Um, I, you know, I think that the only reason I'm higher on Garrett is because he has correctable issues. I, you know, the the pitcher who keeps popping into my head that he reminds me of is early career Randy Johnson, which I realize sounds like a very odd comparison. You've lost your But mind. I just mean in the sense of there are days where he just, to quote Bull Durham again, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And those days happen, but they kind of happen in between several good starts in a row. So it's just a matter of, you know, he's this big, long guy, and big, long guys often take a while to get their mechanics totally in order. So once he really gets his mechanics totally in order, I don't think there's going to be anything that can stop him. And, and throw into that mix that all reports are that he's extremely coachable and willing to uh, willing to work. Um, yeah, you know, I I think Garrett. I think because of the service time issues, Garrett's gonna he'll he'll be later getting his debut. But oh, yeah, I, yeah. I think though that when he does come up, I think he's here to stay. And, and that really bothers me. I'm going to say it again. I've said it before on this podcast. I'm not an Amir Garrett fan. I am absolutely 100% anti-Amir Garrett. Uh, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to be frank about it. Uh, I've talked about it before. Amir Garrett played college basketball for St. John's. And I am so anti-St. John's, it's, you, you could not believe it. I'm a, you know, I went to school at Georgetown. I'm a Georgetown Hoya. And so I, I refuse I to... You were like a Virginia Cavalier or whatever they call okay. themselves. Listen, buddy, I've got a diploma from both those places, and I'm very proud to uh, to say both of them, although Virginia can actually play basketball these days. Georgetown can't. But I've got a long-time hatred of St. John's. And so, uh, Amir Garrett, I hope you do well because I'm a Reds fan, but, man, you're going to have to win me over. Maybe you can come on the podcast. Maybe that will win me over. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm with you. I think a Garrett's got a, a high ceiling. I think Cody Reed, frankly, in my opinion, has an equally high ceiling. Stevenson is still up there in those uh, prospect rankings, you know. And I've, I've not lost faith in him. He's still a young kid, but uh, he's I don't know. He's got some work to do, and he's got there's some whispers about him, and I hate those whispers. We heard him about Homer yeah. Bailey when he was in the minors, but the coachability type stuff. I I don't, and I'm I'm spreading them now, and I shouldn't be, but. Uh, He's still got a live arm. Those are three really high quality uh, starters that uh, you know they're not. They they're probably won't all work out, but man, if two of them do, my yeah. goodness, we're in great shape. Uh, especially considering that we've got yeah. young De Sclafani and I, and and I think Finnegan. I'm maybe the only guy that's out there thinking Finnegan has a chance to be a long term starter. So, well, Finnegan really turned a corner in the second half. Last I thought year. so. Yeah, I thought so. So this this I think this will be the year that tells for Brandon Finnegan. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Finnegan fan. He never played for St. John's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if it comes down to, and I, I had a conversation with somebody on Twitter that I really respect, uh, that really knows a lot about baseball, frankly, and uh, he thinks uh, he thinks Arroyo's done. But my point was, if he's not done, it would be insane to give not give him the fifth starting uh, spot over Tim Adelman. And, and I hate to say anything about Tim Adelman, uh, because I like Tim Adelman as well, but um, it just would it would make no sense to me if, if those are your two guys fighting for that fifth spot. If if Stevenson or Reed don't don't grab one of those spots, uh, I'm with you. Let's go with Arroyo. Yeah, and you know Adelman and and also even though he's been traded now, Straley were two guys that a lot of people were putting stock in, and and it was like I was looking at the peripheral numbers, and I was just like, uh, no. No, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I don't like that. <laughs> it's really hard with a guy like Straley because I'm a huge uh, Dan Straley fan, and what he did for the Reds last year he was he was fun. He was a good pitcher. He was he was not a great bet to be a uh, starter long term with this team, and 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 I didn't want to, didn't necessarily want to trade him because he, he he seemed like a great guy. He, he loved being a Red, and he had a sort of a breakout year. Uh, for the Reds, but man, if you could get anything for that guy long term, it just makes sense. And I thought that was a good trade. And, and it's not a criticism of Dan Straley. He is what he is, and I hope he has all kinds of success with, uh, yeah, with Miami. Yeah, I always hope that like players prove me wrong. You know, I, I kind of, in theory, want every major leaguer to be fantastically great in the major leagues. But I also understand at least something about numbers, and and so sometimes I'm just like, ooh, that's not. I would not bet on that. Uh, exactly. So, well, let me, let me, uh, I guess it's about time to, to call this one quits, but I want to tell you, I just got a, a notification on my phone on Instagram, uh, Red Lake Nation. We posted a picture of Homer Bailey wishing him well and just got a comment on Instagram about Homer Bailey. Two words, overpaid bum. What do you think about that one, Jason Linden? I think that commenter's an idiot. <laughs> overpaid bum. Homer Bailey. That's the title of this uh, episode of the podcast. Jason, anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm good, Chad. Well, it's been fun talking to you again. We're gonna we're back on the horse now with uh, with the podcast. We've started the 2017 season of the podcast, and so we're gonna be bringing these to you every week, starting now. Uh, as always, go to go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating, give us a review. It helps uh, more people find us. Tell your friends if you like us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Uh, and subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcast device. Jason Linden, it's always good talking to you, buddy. Thanks for coming on again. Anytime, Chad. All right, for Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.